The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. In this podcast, we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science: storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is I'm Toria Bono. I am a primary teacher in a junior school on the south coast, and I'm also the host of the podcast Tiny Voice Talks. Lovely to be here. Hi, I'm Helen. I'm a teacher in Buckinghamshire, currently teaching reception and year one children. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in music, design, and technology with this week's folktale from Colombia. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Basket Babies. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an Epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback, as well as the full audio book for you to download at any time. There are even some tips for telling the story yourself there, and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, as well as any extra lesson ideas that we didn't have time to fit in this podcast. Right now, though, let's conclude our discussion with Toria and Helen and our Colombian basket babies today. And yesterday, we sort of explored art with a, a little bit of a DT mindset. And, um, well, you had picked up some other design and technology within this story, hadn't you, Helen, for ages four to seven. So could I start by turning to you and asking you to unpack those for us? Yes, of course. My ideas for DT came from near the beginning of the story when the sisters are granted these wishes. And the first two sisters, mm -hmm. the first one, uh, which is for a husband who is a builder to build the finest house. And the second sister wishes for a husband who's a fisherman so she can have the finest meal. Yes. And I like those ideas because I thought, actually, if you've wished for them, then really, if your wish is going to come true, they really should be the finest that mm. the wishes can bring, you know, um, and that could be different to everyone's imagination. I thought um, some, a couple of nice DT projects would be to design and make these finest things. So beginning with the finest house for children to design what they think the finest house would be like. And it'd be a great opportunity mm. for them to learn a little bit about different homes, whether it's different homes that people live in within their own country or whether it's different homes that people live in in Colombia um or somewhere else mm -hmm. for children to learn about some of the different homes and and what they look like and what might be inside mm -hmm. them and what would the outside look like and and what different features would they have mm -hmm. so then they've done their research because their design brief is to create the finest house and then they decide what components go into making the finest house what's it going to need yeah. so there you've got their design brief the children design their, their house and uh, labeling the materials they're going to use to make it with and that would be the materials limited to what you've got. If you actually want the children to build the house, of course, you're going to mm -hmm. limit it to what, what you've got for them to build it from in your classroom. And then they can build the house. And a really good way to do this with, with younger children is um, use cereal boxes as the base <laughs> and then um, <laughs> add different materials. There's lots of skills there around cutting to the right size, joining materials. Um, you can do little skills like hinges on doors. Uh, and windows that open and close using maybe a slider uh, mechanism uh -huh. and things like that. So I thought that'd be a great project for the children to design the finest house. 
and make the finest house. And then, um, you know, they can begin to evaluate, you know, in key stage one, begin to evaluate their house. And it very much starts with, Mm. I've done this with reception children, and it very much starts with, yep, everything is brilliant. And and to me, that's fine because, you know, they're just in, you know, they love their work and they're proud of their work. And then as you get into, you know, key stage one, um, and you can start it in reception Mm. as well and start them to actually think about what is it that's brilliant. So even if they Mm. don't want to identify improvements yet, which again, I think is fine. You can say, what is it that's brilliant? Not just it's brilliant. What have you done well? And they can talk about Mm. actually we've really joined this well, or we've presented it well, or the hinge works well. Um, So you get into the bottom of what has worked well. And then, of course, at some point, introduce, you know, they might start to think about actually, this didn't go as well as I thought. You know, that's not the finest swimming pool Mm. in the house, Um, those kind of things. Um, And then, linked to that, is um, if the children could wish for the most delicious meal, what would they wish for? Um, So you could look at the idea of a three course menu there and look at what might they might have starters and desserts and and mains and again they could they design a very it would have to be a simple three-course meal unless you've got a lot of time and amazing cooking facilities <laughs> and many adults to produce a three-course mm. meal uh, with young children and um, it'd be great for them to actually get involved in in making a, a three-course meal together and sitting down and eating it and deciding what they in their finest houses in their finest houses of course with their <laughs> finest clothes um, and their finest pets would you link any of these to some of the other um, topics you've you've hinted at over the last couple of weeks? So I was thinking, you know, when you when you were talking about um, what makes the finest house, and you'd already described maybe making a river um, down your classroom, you know, would picking the location of the house be oh. an important consideration, um, and also mm. designing your house around that location? So if you're close to the river, obviously you're going to have to worry a little bit more about flood defences. Maybe that is that's a brilliant geography link. Um, I've done this before with castles, the locations of castles and why you would put a castle in a certain location. So absolutely, you could have a map, another opportunity for maps. Um, (laughs) And um, can you hear that? I've set my chimes off Mm. with my enthusiasm. Um, (laughs) So excited. So excited I've set my chimes off. Um, (laughs) So you can have a map. (laughs) I won't hit the chimes again of the Colombian area. And you could decide actually what the best location for the finest house, the finest location for the finest house not mm-hmm. near any crocodile nests. No, and picking up on some of the other Colombian links as well. Mm. I mean, obviously in the story that the marmalade bushes are very prominent. Oh, yes, um, And I have done my research since um, Rob brought these up. They are definitely not bushes that we make marmalade from. <laughs> they are definitely called that um, because of the, the colour of them. Right. And I think, in fact, they, they are also sometimes called fire bushes um, because of the, the colours. Um, so oh, yeah. that's going to come into designing your garden. That's going to come into designing your, your house, maybe. Yeah. Um, But I think as well, just riffing off what you were saying there, Helen, the finest house in the kingdom um, in the story is described as the palace. Mm. Um, So this could be a a launch into designing your castle and thinking whereabouts it's going to be, especially if it is a, a, a Colombian version. There you go. That's that's a good week's worth of, of work, I think, right there. <laughs> so good terms worth if you include all those other topics. Yeah. And the if, if you have those chimes to whack whenever you get excited about your mm. learning, um, you can introduce Toria's topic for um, pages <laughs> 7 to 11 of music. Yeah. So I don't know if you knew this, but Colombia is known as the land of a thousand rhythms. I, I did not know that. Actually, did you not know that? Rhythms. Oh, there you go, people. It actually holds over 1,025 folk rhythms. Wow. Wow. So 
I know. Who has counted them? So the musical Columbia, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It's, um, it's an expression of Colombian culture. And it's both traditional and modern. Mm. And basically, it's all to do with the geographic region because it's got loads of different styles because it's got American, African, European, so many different influences, mm. which is why it's incredibly diverse. So it's diverse from region to region. You'll have some similarities, but you'll also have quite a lot of difference between regions. And I just think it's be really interesting for children to begin to recognize the similarities of rhythms, mm -hmm. the differences in rhythms that are holding between region to region. I think it's a, it's a really lovely, rich musical topic looking at the music of Colombia. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Mm. And it makes sense when you look at it geographically, it makes sense that it has so many different influences. Mm. But I thought that was fascinating about it having 1,025 folk yeah. rhythms. And actually, can the children begin to pick those out when they're listening to music? And what I love about that idea is that, again, you're combining um, the topics, really, aren't you? And looking at how geography influences um, the, mm. the art of a region. And uh, of, I mean, we know that it influences the science uh, of a region, the evolution, the variation, etc. But yeah, it also influences the design of our houses and the patterns in our music. So that, that's, that's a mm. fantastic way of combining all of these different topics. Yeah, you could extend it on mm -hmm. by basically if they've identified certain folk rhythms, they could then begin to compose their own music yeah. using those yeah. rhythms. So I think there's a lot to it, you know, so actually they're beginning to understand what makes Colombian music. They're beginning to recognize those rhythms, but then they're beginning to utilize those within their own compositions. And, you know, um, just taking it back to, to the early years, a musical mm. skill simply copying rhythms, isn't it? So yes, it is. Picking out a few of the rhythms and teaching it to the children and getting them to clap it or play it on a percussion instrument would be a great, great mm. place to start with the Colombian music. Excellent. Yeah. Just out of interest, when, when you ask your children to compose in a style that is maybe completely new to them, do you sort of total original free reign with that? Or do you encourage them to maybe take a song that they already know and adapt it to that style? I think with this, it would be because it's very, very much rhythm based. Hmm. You're giving them that rhythm. You've identified this rhythm. This is the rhythm I want you to stick to. Yeah. And actually, at that point, they can then develop. Hmm. And it might be that they just do something that is purely percussive. It might be that they do something that actually incorporates melody as well. But hmm. actually, you're really focusing heavily on the rhythm because that is what makes Colombian music. Hmm. Gotcha. And I think that's the thing to really emphasize with the children that actually, yes, you're giving them free reign, but this is the rhythm, people. <laughs> yeah, music doesn't have to be melodic necessarily. Yeah. No, and I think that's what, again, really important to emphasize with children that it doesn't need to be melodic. It can just be percussive and yeah. it can just, and children love that. Children love just hitting things. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my children always laugh because on a Thursday, you know, the year six has come around to announce percussion club. Hmm. 
And my children always say, Mrs. Bono doesn't call it a percussion club. Mrs. Bono calls it banging things club <laughs> because fundamentally that's what you're doing. Absolutely. And actually children are much more interested in going to a percussion club when they know they're just going to yeah. be hitting something. <laughs> <laughs> so actually rhythms are a great thing to get children engaged with music. Mm. Yes. And the other thing with, with rhythm is if you look at success and failure, often children will fear failure if you're asking them to encourage incorporate melody into music mm. but if you're merely looking at you know the rhythm and something percussive they're less fearful about failing yeah it's true everyone can yeah. clap everyone can hit things it, i mean it's the most primal form of music there is isn't it mm. so you're yeah. you're literally developing it in the way that the human race probably develops that instinct mm. did you have anything else for early years music helen yeah i had just a very a very brief thought it's uh-huh. about the um, singing. So gone from percussion to singing, um, singing, okay. singing the fortune. <laughs> and I thought it'd be just oh, a yes. simple, a simple idea is uh, children can be taught to sing. That So there's some rhymes in, in the story that the bird sings. Mm. And I thought mm. it'd be great to teach children to sing those rhymes. And you could probably put them to just a well-known tune because just mm. getting children singing, singing to well-known tunes is a good start. Or if you were a particularly musical teacher, you could make up a tune yourself or make up a tune with the children. And then they could you know, learn, learn those songs and learn them to perform and enjoy, enjoy singing them. We all, we all like singing in classes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and again, that's sort of going back to how music may have even developed because mm. we've got the, the, the banging things um, that mm. Tori has um, pointed to, but of course birds sing. Yeah. Um, and I guess yes. at some point humans decided they wanted to, to try emulating what the birds were doing. So, yeah, some great opportunities here to enhance the creativity of your children. That's all we have time for in this episode, folks, and indeed this story. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we've discussed in this podcast, so please find us on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. You can also use social media to let us know if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, as we'd love to help. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. We'll be back next week to explore how a certain mermaid from the mind of Hans Christian Andersen can help your young learners grow their academic excellence. And our adaptation of the tale is particularly potent for one prominent component of punctuation. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we we hope hope to hear your your stories stories soon. soon!